Any children that want to make their way downstairs for Children's Church, if you head to the back, I see Miss Rhonda back there, and uh, she's going to take you downstairs. It's going to be an awesome morning in Children's Church. I hope you have a wonderful time, and uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Pastor Andrew. Good morning. Good morning. Is my, is my... And we're just excited to be here. I love getting to share with you guys and getting to talk. And I have a captive audience for a half hour or 40 minutes or however long I decide to speak. And you guys can't do anything about it, which is awesome. I don't get that very... Actually, I get that all the time because I get it on Thursday night with the youth too. But uh, it's good. So we are walking through uh, Ephesians. Um, We have been since the beginning of the year. And we're only just getting started. We're actually probably about the halfway point is where we're at. There's six chapters in the book. We are starting chapter four this week. And it's going to be good. So we're going to, we're going to, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read, we're just going to read through the letter once together so we see it. And then we're just going to walk through it slowly and just let it speak very plainly to us. I'm not going to, I don't have anything super fancy to add to what the scriptures have to say. The, like when I read it, it's just like, oh, okay. All right. And, uh, and we're just going to do it. And, and it's good. So here's, here's what we're going to do. Why don't we, uh, why don't we turn to Ephesians chapter four this morning? And let's read Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. And, uh, and then I'll pray for help. And then we'll, uh, then we'll get going. Ephesians 4. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that... um, that we can read your word, God, and that you speak to us and you reveal yourself to us, God. I thank you that we don't have to try and guess and figure things out, but that you speak plainly to us. And I just pray this morning that you would be speaking to us, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you're already here ministering to us. pray that you would be with me as I speak, God, that it would be your words and not mine. And, uh, and we love you. Amen. All right, so have you ever heard of a game-changing moment? Sometimes people say this. Maybe it's just people my age or young people, but they say that was a game-changer. You look at something, uh, a change in technology, 
or if it's a sport and something happened, like a, like a shift takes place and we look at something and go, wow, that, that was a game changer, right? Like things totally changed. Like the internet was a game changer. You know, cars was a game changer. Life changed. Things, things changed direction. They changed momentum. Things changed dramatically um, when this happens. And so there, 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 this idea of, of game-changing moments, we, we sometimes have these in our, in our lives. Um, sometimes we say, that was like a game-changing moment for me when, when I was, my life was going this way and then I realized something was wrong or that something was better and, or something happened to me and my life changed, right? You get married, that's a game-changer. I'm no longer a young single guy who can stay up till whenever and do whatever I want, right? It's a good thing, right? Becoming a parent, that's a game changer, okay? Especially if it's unexpected, it's probably like, whoa, this is a game-changing moment right now. Um, can be moments of, of crisis or even just things like, like I think of my, my sister-in-law who after having her third child realized I'm unhappy with, with myself and with my body and I'm wrestling with all these insecurities and mental health, and she decided, you know what, I'm going to be healthy. And now she's dropped like a ton of weight and is a beach body coach. And I look at her and I'm like, you don't look like the same person, and you are not the same person. Because she had, she came to this point, and she said, you know what, I'm going to take responsibility and, and change. Right? And, and she had this game-changing moment where now her life is totally different from where it was a year, a year ago. Right? Um, for me, I, have, I can think back and I can, I can think of moments in my life where God has met me and God has spoken to me and, and my life has, has changed. Um, when I was at camp and I thought I was going to be an English teacher in high school and then God said, no, you're going to be a pastor. All right, well, that's a game-changing moment because I'm going towards university and now I'm going towards Bible college, right? And a different, totally different vocation. Or, just, or things, in, things in your own heart, right? Where, in your own character where, where it... You come to a place and go, you know what, I can't be who I am anymore. I can't live like this anymore. This needs to change in me. Game-changing moments. And so game-changing mo- these game-changers are shifts in direction and momentum. And, um, and they're, they're important. And what's going on, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because um, what Paul is talking about here and what he's been talking about in all of Ephesians is the game-changing moment of all of history. And we're at a point in the letter where it's a, a game-changing moment in the letter where Paul shifts in his direction as well. And as we read through this letter, as we've been talking and going through this letter, if we allow it to actually sink in and we actually read it for what it is, it can be a, change, a game-changing moment and experience in your life and in our church's life. And so at this point in the letter... Paul has been talking for the last three chapters, uh, the last, you know, five or six or seven sermons for us about this game-changing thing that Jesus came, that, that the God of the universe came to us and he saved us. He made us, right, we, like, if, we, if you read through it and we recap what we've talked about, Paul has said things like, you were dead, and now in Jesus and through Jesus you are alive. That's kind of game-changing, right? You were, you were lost, you were exiled, you were out of God's favor and grace, and now you're included, now you're a son and a daughter of God. That's kind of game-changing, right? Or it should be, right? That there have been these changes that have taken place in history because of Jesus, because of what he did and who he is, that our path, our personal path, and the whole path of humanity has changed. 
Everything shifted the day that he died and three days later when he resurrected. Because if he stayed dead, well, then things, it would have been business as usual. Just another guy murdered by the Romans. But he came back to life, and all of history changed. And this is what Paul has been talking about. And the longer he talks about it in Ephesians, we see it the last two weeks, in chapter 3 when we've been talking, he just, he, Paul is just getting more and more excited and more and more pumped up as he's talking to us about what it is that God has done. Just what is this good news what it is that is so different about Jesus, what it is that's so important about Jesus. And it's at this point that Paul kind of reaches this point. It's almost like Paul is preaching. Ephesians is like one big sermon, one beautiful sermon, right? And it's at this point where Paul is now going to get to the so what. Now what? We've said all this awesome stuff about how we were dead and now we're alive, how we were outsiders and now we're insiders and we have an inheritance with God and we were adopted as his children, all this awesome stuff. And now we're going to find out, so what do we do with that? Or what's the big deal? And this is um, a turning point in this sermon and everyone afterwards. Paul, for the rest of the letter, is going to get very, very practical at telling us what that means and what that looks like. And it's, it's a game-changing moment. But before we get to the application, the reason why I'm, I'm kind of talking about this before I really get into the passage is because... Um, as Christians, we really run the risk that if we look at all the things we're supposed to do, all the, all the action parts of the Bible where it says, you know, do this or don't do this or those types of things, if we forget about chapters 1 to 3, if we forget about what Jesus has done for us and in us and through us, then it becomes dry and dead legalism. And it just becomes us working really hard and getting more and more frustrated because we can't do it. Because let's be honest, as we're going to read through these chapters and preach through these things, if we were to try and do this on our own, we would not do it. We would fail miserably. Or we would think we're doing a really good job and then get really proud and arrogant and rude to other people, which then means we're failing because if you read somewhere else, it's just not to be like that. So it's a lose-lose situation. But if we root ourselves, if we establish ourselves, if our foundation is in what Jesus has done and who he is in us and in our lives then this application, the things we're going to be talking about, are actually possible. They actually become possible. They can actually happen in us and through us. And we can actually be changed and transformed. Our community and the church can be changed and transformed. Our community outside these walls can be changed and transformed because of what Jesus is doing, because it's real and it's true. And so I just want to remind us before, before we go there that, that Jesus is, is the ultimate game-changer. And he needs to be the ultimate game changer in your life. Jesus is not an add-on. Jesus will not accept your leftovers. He wants to come in and he wants to be the king of your life, the ruler of your life. And he wants you to come alongside him and to follow him. And he's going he's gonna to change everything. You know, and you may keep the same job and you may keep the same problems and all, and all those types of things, but, but there will be a change that takes place inside of you that changes everything. And over time, you will see his faithfulness and you will see him begin to work and do incredible things through your life. And so, Paul gets to this point, and let's talk about um, verse 1. We're just going to break it down. Right, Paul, um, right, chapters 1 or 3 is the game changer. Game is, chapter 1, verse 1, is, it's game time. This is where Paul gets to this point, and in chapter 3, he's been praying and he's been getting pumped up, and he's like, he looked at everything you wrote, and he just got even more excited, and he just gets so excited that he's just like, starts praying and worshiping God as he's like writing and preaching, and it's in this awesome moment that we get to see. And then he gets to this point, and he says, therefore. 
And what therefore means is that in light of everything that I have just said, take because of everything that I've just said, because of everything that we've just gone through, because of everything that Jesus has done, now do this. Or now, now this. So he says, therefore... I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And so for, for Paul, he's saying, like, we're not just going to be talking about this. Now it's game day. Now it's time for us to go and to walk and to not just sit and listen to a nice sermon and say, wow, Paul, when you prayed that awesome prayer last week, that was just, that warmed my heart and made me feel so good. And I went home feeling great for a couple of hours, but then Monday came and, you know, went back to business as usual. Paul is saying, no, like, it's game time. It's now time for us to walk and to be who Jesus has called us to be, who Jesus has, has made us to be, because this idea of calling is not, some are called to, you know, being a pastor. That's not the calling he's talking about. He's talking about the calling to be his son and his daughter, the calling to be an heir with him in his kingdom. That's the calling. And he's calling us, he's saying, now we've got to walk it. Because why, like, we can't, we can't not. We can't just stay here. Paul is, is getting to this point where he's like, we can't stay here. We can't just sit and think nice thoughts about Jesus. We have to go and actually let it be real in our lives and let it, come, let it flow out of us. Because there's too much at stake. And there. And the power that is in here and the reality that if these things that we read are true about Jesus, if it is true and if it is true in our lives, it's just, it's, there, it's too much for us to keep to ourselves. It really is too much. How can we keep it to ourselves? How can we let the world keep going on in the direction that it's going when we in our hearts know that we're going in a different direction? We can't just sit by and wait for the rapture and say, well, see you later. That's not what Jesus talks about. Jesus actually wants us to go in and be his hands and his feet and his ambassadors and actually help him bring his kingdom in. And it's not that we do it, it's that he uses us and, and does it through us because he, he loves to do that. He could do it himself, but he just loves to include us in it because it's awesome and it feels great and it's a blessing for us. But it's game time. Paul is saying, I urge you. You can just picture Paul getting all red in the face and saying, like, come on, like, don't miss this. Paul, Paul has been a pastor to these people for years. He's the one who came to the city and planted the church. There was no Christians in this place, and now Paul comes, and now there's Christians. And the, and, the, and the culture is changing, and the city is changing to the point where they're having riots because the economy that is so centered around pagan worship is being turned upside down, that they dragged him out and tried to stone him and all this stuff because things are actually happening. But he is urging them, even as he calls himself a prisoner and he is in jail for this. So I urge you to go and to live. And we can't miss that. But it's hard. It's the easiest thing and it's the hardest thing, right? Because we look at it and we're going to look at it and go, I can't do that. Or I, I didn't do that. Or I'm going to try and do it, but I'm probably going to fail. But it's okay, because if we remember the previous chapters, it's Christ within us, it's his spirit working in us, and continually. And we get to do it together. So here's what's going on. 
the big idea, what, what is Paul saying? So, so he's saying it's game time, it's time for us to live as we are called, right? Okay, so now what, Paul? We're all pumped up, we're ready to go, now what? Right? What are we going to do? Okay, and this is, this is where Paul, so, so whatever Paul's probably going to say next is probably going to be really, really important. He's not going to start with the unimportant things. He's going to start with the big thing, right? Right? If the coach was in the locker room, he's getting up the yells like, we're going to go out and we're going to win. All right? So this is what he says. Is he says, the big idea is unity. What Paul begins to talk about is unity in God's new community. Because when we read in chapters 1 to 3, we see that God has made a new humanity in Jesus. That we are actually new. That when Jesus died and resurrected, he came back in a new body. He had, he had victory over Satan, sin, and death, and he is new, and he has created a new sinless humanity in Jesus. And now he is doing that in us, working in us from the inside out. He's actually changing us and shaping us. That's why we were dead and now we're alive. And he's working in us. He's created a new humanity, and he's also created a new community. A new community that, that is his kingdom, that is full of, of new people who are made new in Jesus and are trying to live this new life that God has for us. And what Paul talks about, he says, we have to have unity in that community. We have to be united. We have to love each other and hold one another up and be on the same team. Because we are on the same team. So we've got to act like we're on the same team and be on the same team together. So here's the big idea for this week is that we need to have unity in God's new community, in his church. And this, this unity is different than the world. What God has in the church for us is different than what the world offers. It's this glorious, it's this beautiful, um, rich, diverse unity that takes place. The way the world wants things to work is the world wants us to conform. You come to America, you become an American. Right? You join a certain group or clique, you start dressing like them, you start listening to their music, acting like they act. Right? You go to another culture, you've got to wear what they wear, do what they do. Right? That's the way we operate outside of God is we say, you have to conform and be like me. And we don't like people who aren't like us. That's racism and sexism and all these other words that we have. Right? So you're not like me and I don't like you. Just because you're not like me. Right? But what Paul offers is that we, in Christ, actually have unity. That we can be diverse, that we can come and be part of a community and be different. We come together and we're supposed to be different. We were created different. The church is a place where different cultures and races and, and languages and styles and all types and walks of life come together and we love each other and we get along and we go and do great things for Jesus anyways. And we don't have to try and be like each other. I don't have to pretend to like country music. Sorry. I don't like country music. And that's okay, right? I don't... I love the worship here, but if I didn't like the worship here, it wouldn't matter. Because there's different styles, right? It doesn't matter if I like the music or not. It doesn't matter if I like the teaching or not. It doesn't matter if I like this. It's okay because we're all here together in this community. And it's the community that matters, right? It's not about, well, you've got to do it my way. Well, you didn't, sing, you didn't sing the songs that I like, so I'm not coming back. Excuse me? Who made you the boss, right? Oh, you didn't say hi to me you know, often enough. Oh, you didn't do this for me, that for me. That's not what it's about, right? It's about us 
being and growing in loving community. And when we actually do that, then those things start to happen anyways. But it's about unity and not conformity. And even me, as, as one of the, the leaders in the church, I can't look at my youth and say, well, you guys got to start acting like me and dressing like me, and we're only going to play the games that I like, and we're only going to sing the songs that I like, and we're only going to eat the food that I like for snack. No, I can't do that. I don't want a bunch of robots. It'd be really scary. Um, that's not what we're supposed to do, right? Sometimes we get caught up in this in the, in, in the world, in the Christian world, right? We have our Christian celebrities and our big mega churches, and not that there's anything wrong with having a big church, but when we look to them and go, I got to be just like you, kind of missing the point. So Paul's big thing is that it's, it's unity. That we are all together, not just a bunch of individuals. Jesus didn't just come to save you. He came to save the whole world. He came to save all of humanity. And every single person in this room is loved by God just as much as you are loved and has the same value and dignity and worth that you have. And we get to come and share that with one another. And when we do that, then we're winning. When we get that right, we got it. We're on to something. And it's incredible. The chapter verse is wrong there. Okay. So then the question is, though, is that sounds great. What does that look like? Right? I could say, okay, so be unified and we're done. Good luck. Right? But Paul doesn't leave us there. That's just his opening statement. Paul then goes on from here and for the rest of Ephesians to talk about what does unity actually look like? How do we actually accomplish this? And so we're going to look at four things quick just by going through um, through the verses. Paul just lays it out, and I can't really add a whole lot. I'll try to maybe help a little bit, but I, I, I can't. Okay, so here we go. The first thing that we do is we've got to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll connect that here. Here's what Paul says in verses 2 and 3. And if you want to follow along, you can, and you'll see where I'm getting this. So after he says that for us to, to call, to, to walk in the manner of the worthy, walk in a manner, manner worthy of the calling which we've been called, it says to do it with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with, with one another means, you know, like I don't, I'm not really getting along with you, you're rubbing me the wrong way but I love you and I'm not going to let it, you know, keep me down and bother you or keep me from loving you. That's a great, that's a great line. It's a great phrase. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Okay. So we get from these verses, the first thing Paul says, when you are walking this walk, you do it with humility, with understanding that my way is not the best way, God's way is the best way. That I am not all that in a bag of chips. Right? With gentleness. Really being kind to one another and understanding of one another. Friendly to one another. With patience. Someone's frustrating you when someone's just not getting it. And you've had this conversation with them a million times or they've said sorry a million times. Right? With patience. And bearing with one another in love. And being eager to maintain the unity in the bond of peace. So there's this idea of peace and actually wanting to do this and be unified. doesn't get any simpler than that. Paul just laid it out. That's what it is. 
but it also doesn't get any harder than that, right? That's hard. And in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we get a similar list from Paul in another letter to another church. He says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's interesting. There's no law against those things. We're so focused on trying to make sure I read enough or go to church enough or do all these things, but he's saying against these things, there's nothing to measure. This is just what we do. And this comes out, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It comes out of being in relationship with the Spirit. And so a question for you, how are you doing? When you look at that list, how does it make you feel? Where does your mind go to? You go on, yeah, I'm good in these areas, or, whoa, nope, I'm not gentle, I'm not very patient, I'm not this, I'm not that, right? How are you doing in that? And how you're doing in that actually tells you whether or not you're contributing to unity or to disunity. Because if you're being the opposite, you're moving in the direction of disunity rather than promoting unity, rather than trying to maintain unity, rather than trying to bring it, we're actually moving away from it and causing division. And it's all about our character and our actions, which makes it way more difficult because we can't really fake it, at least not for very long. And in Galatians, Paul has another list just before this one. This is a scarier list, and it's kind of nice he doesn't include it in Ephesians, but I'm going to read it. This is, this is the opposite of being in the Spirit and promoting unity. And the Bible actually says these things. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. How do you compare to that list? It's difficult. But Paul lays it out for us. Right? There's the flesh, there's sin, there's moving towards selfishness in myself, and then there's unity and love and being a new creation in Jesus. And that's the fruit of the Spirit and in these things here. And it's hard. But we have to always be stopping and looking at ourselves and going, okay, which way am I moving? And here's the encouraging thing, is that after, the, after those two lists, Paul says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So he just reminds us again that, hey, don't beat yourself up. If you are in Jesus, if you are a Christian, if you believe in him and are trusting in him, that whole list there doesn't have any ownership on you. It doesn't control you. It's not who you are. You don't have to do or be any of those things. And anyone or anything that would tell you otherwise is lying to you. That it's been crucified with Jesus, it's been dealt with, it's finished, and you actually are free to move in to everything else. So we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. The next thing we need to do is we need to recognize that we are one in Christ already. We don't have to create unity. We are already unified. We just need to maintain it. We are already in Jesus. And this is what Paul says. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
one. We need to recognize that we are already one. We are already together in this. Because we are all in Jesus. We share, Jesus' spirit is living in each one of us. We are all in him. We are already unified. Because of Jesus. And so it's not a case that unity is a good thing to strive for because it makes everything nicer. It's because, no, we're already unified. We're already stuck together. We're already a family. We're married. We're already in this. And so we can either have a really great time together and be unified and be a great family, or we can totally just fall apart. And it's all in Jesus and through Jesus. It's not our own efforts. It's not our own attempts. It's all just when we go to Jesus, when we, when we stick to these things, we're unified. So it doesn't matter what denomination we are. It doesn't matter what we believe or don't believe. Right? We can, we can love people who, who believe different things than we do, but are still Christians. There are, there are things where, if you don't believe that, you're probably not a Christian because Jesus said you have to believe that. Right? You can't have, you can't have Jesus and Muhammad. Right? Because Jesus says, it's just me. Right? Can't. That's a non-negotiable. But there are an incredible amount of things that are, that we don't have to fight over, that we can, you know, talk about and disagree with, but we can actually get along with and love one another, and it actually creates that diversity. Right? Because if everyone was just like me and just believed the things that I believe, there's a whole lot of people in the world who would never get saved. Because they don't understand me and I don't understand them. And the things that I've gone through and the things that they've gone through are not. So we need each other and we need to be different. And it's all in Jesus and because of Jesus. And we can't be effective otherwise. We will talk all the time about wanting to go and change our community and see people meet Jesus and live our lives for God. But unless we get this, we're not. We're just going to be a family that's incredibly dysfunctional and, and yelling at each other all the time. Right? And families that are incredibly dysfunctional, no one really wants to come over for lunch. Right? You ever gone over to someone's house and their parents are fighting or the kid gets thrown into a room to get spanked over something ridiculous or all these things? Like I, I, have, I have memories of a couple friends going to their houses and I'm like, I'm never going back. Right? We can be like that. People can come here and go, ah, oh, it was so nice meeting you. Yes, thank you. Okay, bye, see you later. One foot's already out the door, never coming back. Right? Because they look at us and go, oh. Right? And every family has dysfunction, right? But can we love and be unified anyways, right? But it's, we're already unified, so we've got to recognize that. The next step is we need to embrace, embrace your gift. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then Paul goes on to quote a psalm and explain it. When he ascended on high, he let a host of captives give gifts to men, and then he explains it. Okay? He's looking at the Old Testament and saying, this is about Jesus, and explaining it, and moving on. That's why it's like, oh, all right, what is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. And then he says, and he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for, for the building up of the body of Christ. And at the end, it talks about how when the whole body gets it together, the, whole, the body grows and it builds itself up in love. Right? 
We all have a role to play. We all have a part to play. God has given us each gifts from himself for us to use, right? And we're given this image that we are a body. And it talks about this, Paul talks about this in other places, right? And some parts are glamorous and other parts aren't. But Paul actually says that the parts that aren't glamorous are actually the more important ones, right? Okay? Like if your kidneys stop working, not very glamorous, no one, no one wants to, you know, see a kidney. That's why we got skin over top of it. But if your kidneys stop working, it's a problem. Right? Okay. You know, someone may have a nice pretty face, but it's not always going to stay nice and pretty. They're going to get older. Or they, something horrible could happen to them, right? But it's not that vital. You can get by without a pretty face. can't get by without your kidneys. Or your liver. Or all of these things, right? So we all have... A gift and we need to embrace it we need to be okay with who we are and who god has made us to be and recognize that the gifts and the talents and the desires that he has put within us are meant to be used for him and for his glory and for us and to be shared amongst us and when we all start doing that then we're not going to need anything we won't be lacking because we'll be encouraging one another and loving one another and serving one another and giving to one another and helping one another out and strengthening one another and encouraging one another. And then you don't have to worry, right? Like, I love theology. I love reading and figuring these things out and watching theologians talk on YouTube. And for most of you, that's probably going to be really boring, right? But you don't have to worry about it because I got it. And I will do my best to communicate it poorly, right? But you guys don't have to worry about it. The same way I don't have to worry about other things myself, right? I don't have to worry about being Pastor Jamie and being kind of the leader of the church or being one of the elders. It's not, I don't have to worry about it. It's not who I am, right? Okay, I'm not a great cook. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to feel like I have to be everything at once. But we all have gifts and things to bring to the table. And what Paul then does is when he talks about apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors, he's just talking about leadership in the church in particular, right? And what is the role of leadership? The role of leadership is to equip everybody else for ministry and to help us strengthen you guys for us to help raise you up in your giftings and your abilities and your maturity in christ so that we can be a healthy body and so that we can love people and that you guys can be healthy it's not the andrew show it's not the jamie show you guys don't come to listen to us we come to serve you and to help you that really is pastor jamie's heart and the, and the and the heart of the elders at this church is that we love you and we want to serve you and help you grow and see you win. And see this church win and this community win. That is why we're here. Okay? Otherwise, I would not be standing up here. Because I don't like public speaking. I'm shy. Okay? But it's a gift that God has given me. And I use it with him. And when we get it together, it works. It's not that... We don't have issues like there's always this, this struggle and learning to grow with one another, but it begins to work and we become a healthy community. And we are a healthy community already. This is one of the, the healthiest church communities I've ever seen in my life that I've been a part of. Are we perfect? No. But we're growing and this is, this is a pretty healthy place and it's, it's awesome. The way that we love one another and serve one another and help one another when people are down. There's things going on that you guys have no idea about. You may go, man, our church doesn't do this. Well, we might actually... You just don't know about it because we have people in this church who are so incredible that they just go and do it and don't tell anyone and take care of things and help people. And it's incredible. 
But you need to embrace your gift. You need to find out who has God made you to be and then, and then be it. Because I, I can't do it for you. And other people can't do it for you. Only you can do it. And when you're missing from church, we miss you. Even if it doesn't seem like anyone misses you, we miss you because we need you. Right? Like, I would miss my left arm if my left arm decided to take a holiday. Right? And that's what it's like. You know, we have friends who are on vacation right now who are away, and we miss them. It's the same for you. And the last thing is Paul tells us all to grow up. Tells us to get, put our big boy, big boy pants on, big girl pants on, and to grow up. And the whole point of leadership and growing in these things is so that we will grow up. Because we can't stay kids. A household full of children is probably not all that great, right? Letting the kids fend for themselves, right? The house becomes a disaster. They don't know what they're doing for everything. They can't take care of everything. They argue and fight and bicker. And so the, the last thing that Paul says is it's time for us to grow up. It is time for us to stop acting like kids. And how do kids act? Kids are selfish. It's me, 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 me. When is my next meal? When is my next source of entertainment? When are you going to change my diaper? You know, all these types of things. Okay, Ethan's now at the point where he just takes his own diaper off. And we're like, dude, just come and talk to me because now I have a mess to clean up. Thanks, right? But he's just thinking about himself. This is uncomfortable. I'm done, right? Paul's saying we need to grow up. We need to stop thinking about ourselves. We need to stop... Um, being, being immature, right? And, and when we're immature and when, we're, when we act like kids, then we get caught up. It says we actually end up getting tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, human cutting, craftiness, and deceitful scheme, right? We get caught up in one particular brand of church, one particular brand of theology, one particular person, one particular, you know, thing, and until someone else who's even cooler and smarter comes along and blows us the other way, Right? And we end up believing all kinds of lies about ourselves and about God and about the church, and we get all mixed up. So it's time for us to grow up. By engaging in community with one another, by growing in the Spirit, by contributing our gifts and allowing the leaders to contribute their gifts to us, to, to raise us up. And to speak the truth in love. And the whole thing is this about Jesus. We are to grow up to be like Jesus, to look like Jesus, to be more like Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about me being a better person. It's, it's not, and it's not necessarily about me disappearing either. God doesn't want me to disappear. He wants to make me into who he always wanted me to be. Which is selfless. It's, it's everything that Jesus is. right? But I don't have to actually disappear. It's not the point. He, he made you and he loved you. He didn't go to all this work to make you for you to just like act like a, like a Jesus drone, right? He wants you to become like him and as you grow in him, you become like him, but you're still you, right? You don't have to go, man, Jesus was loud sometimes and yelled at people sometimes, so I better yell at some people. Or Jesus, you know, was, you know, like, don't have to necessarily do that, right? Or we don't have to look at Christians and go, wow, this, when a good Christian is someone who looks like this, I better be that. No, 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 you got to look at Jesus, and who is Jesus, and what does he say, and what does he do? And we need to grow up and stop letting certain things bother us. And stop worrying about our feelings all the time. And stop worrying about 
what we want to do all the time and start looking at other people and saying, I love you, God loves you, just like God loves me, and I want to love you and serve you and grow in this, right? Because we're stuck together already, right? You can't choose your family, right? That's what we say, you can't choose your family. Well, you can't choose your church family. Regardless of whatever congregation you join, we are all together, and we will all be together forever. And so as we grow up, and we do that by surrendering and submitting and giving up our priorities and all of those types of things to Jesus, and sometimes that that plays out by, by surrendering to other people, by saying, you know what? I wish church was shorter, but it's not, so that's okay. I'm still going to come, right? I wish church started later, but that's okay. I'll wake up and come. Or anything. could be anything. Those are just random things popping into my head, okay? Right? We, we, we surrender and we give it up for the love of the community and the love of the family because we're a family. And when we grow up, that's when things start to work. That's when things start to happen. And it's awesome for us. Like we, can, like we get to choose what, ki- what type of family we're in, what kind of community we want to be in. Do we want our church family to be a bunch of little kids who argue and bicker and don't get along and don't like each other and don't, you know, only, we only spend time together when we have to? Or can we become the type of community that loves to be with one another, that loves to love each other, that loves to build one another up and share and be generous with one another and help one another? And be a part of something incredible that loves to then go and love other people, right? Like one of those homes, those friends growing up where it was like people were always in their home and you loved going there. And they loved having people. We can be like that. But we just have to choose to lay our differences aside and to pursue Jesus together in our community. And I know we're already doing that and so I just encourage you to keep doing it. And we all need to keep doing it. We never arrive. Until Jesus comes back. But we can grow and we can see incredible things happen. And we will see incredible things happen. We are already seeing incredible things happen in this community. And I love you guys and I love our church. And I'm excited about what God is going to do in the future. So I would just encourage you to keep keep growing in the spirit. Keep loving each other. Keep embracing who you are. And keep growing up. And I still need to grow up. right? I'm up here and it doesn't mean that I... I'm I'm awesome at everything, okay? Because I'm not. And if you think I am, you'll be disappointed when you get to know me. That's what Paul has to say. And for the next couple of weeks, it's just going to get better and better and better. And and Paul is just going to unpack more and more and more of what this looks like. How do we live as a community, as God's community, as God's kingdom? And the thing is, is it's just going to look like this when we get to heaven, but better. We just get to... when we do this, we're actually just starting to experience heaven now. Right? Like, I don't want to wait for heaven to start loving people and start experiencing the love from other people. That's how awesome God is. He just, he, he doesn't say, you know, you got to slug it out and it's going to be horrible now and then it'll be nice later. Say, like, no, you can start to experience my blessing and the awesomeness now. Okay. All right. Why don't we just, uh, we'll pray and, uh, and then let's go be God's community together downstairs. We have lunch 
and, uh, and more teaching and, and discussion. And I would just challenge you that as we go downstairs to find people and encourage them, find people and love them, find people and pray for them. And if there's people who aren't here, no, it's okay. We're running late. Normally we have music come up, I know. Um, just find people. And if there's people who aren't here, find them during the week and message them during the week. Because it's not hard for the enemy to come in and say, oh, no one cares about you. It's not hard. That's what he does. Because the enemy doesn't want us to be a good family. He wants us to be a horrible family. Okay? Let's pray. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for everything that you do for us and everything that you um, have done for us, everything that you are doing for us, everything that you are going to do in us and through us, God. Jesus, I thank you that without you, um, man, I'd be lost without you, God. And I just thank you um, for everything you are doing in my life and have done in my life. I thank you for everything you have done and are doing and are going to do in this church and in, and in the lives of these people here, God, in the lives of my family, God. And I just pray that you would encourage them. I pray that they would be encouraged, that they would know you, and that as they um, begin to walk with you, God, and um, walk together with us, Jesus, that we would be um, united in love, Jesus, and, and united in our, in our love for you and our love for one another, God, and that we would then go and love our community and see our community just grow um, in love and grow in you, Jesus, that people would come to know you, that people would come and see that, that life, there's so much more to life than what um, they currently have, God. And it's not so the church can get big, God, but it's so that your love and your kingdom can grow and this world can be changed, Jesus. I thank you. I pray that you be with us as we go downstairs for lunch and that you would uh, be with us as we continue on in our week, God, until we come together and meet again. Thank you. Amen. Just be encouraged. Have a great week. We've got hot food downstairs. You're welcome to join us. And uh, it's going to be good.